Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Morning, everyone. How are we going today? Oh, gee. I know it's cold here in Adelaide in September, but how are we going today? We've been in the presence of God. We're worshipping Him together. How are we? We're good? Good, good. Special welcome to Tanya Purser and the girls who are with us today. Let's give them a big round of applause. Hope that you're having a great weekend in Adelaide, catching up with all your friends and, and, family and, and different people that were family here for a season for you. Yeah. Uh, also, Michelle uh, is up at Gawla uh, today, up at Clovey Gawler, and she's taking Jason Lippert uh, with her. So we're introducing Jason to uh, the community uh, at Gawler, which is a great thing. So really excited by that. And I want to thank you for everyone who's um, prayed and really uh, sought the Lord around Heart for the House uh, this year. And, and this uh, is the week to uh, attend to uh, the, the giving side of that. So if you haven't had an opportunity uh, to do that yet, then please uh, attend to that this week. And, 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 and if you haven't had a, a good chance to pray, then, then pray, seek the Lord, ask him, what is he asking you to, to, to give and to contribute into Heart for the House uh, in 2022? We're in a series uh, in Romans. We've been sitting in Romans for some time. We've been looking at restored belief, and now we've moved into uh, restored living and looking at this idea that Paul is uh, speaking to us about being restored in, in, in our lives. And, uh, and he makes a bit of a move in this next uh, part of Romans 12 where he starts to uh, speak more into what does it mean to have restored love. And a few years ago, I remember going to a wedding of a, a beautiful couple here, Sam and Renee Agnew, and the pastor who led, uh, the, the, officiated the, the wedding in his uh, wedding message, he spoke about how contemporary society talks about love. And he spoke about it from the perspective of a range of different songs that he picked out from across uh, the ages. And he spoke about all these different songs in, in relation to love. He, he said, Stevie Wonder just called to say that he loves you. He said, the black eyed peas ask, where is the love? Meatloaf would do anything for love. I thought you might come with me there. <laughs> Tina Turner, she asked, what does love have to do with it? The Cure are in love on Fridays. You too want love, love to come to town. And Whitney Houston will... Oh, she'll always love you, but not maybe with that enthusiasm. <laughs> Whitney Houston will always love you. Remember that, hey? And he spoke about uh, what society uh, can, uh, can, can think about love because of the contemporary nature of some of the songs that we have had over the time. You see, our culture speaks a lot about love. Uh, it spends a lot of time pursuing love in different forms and in different ways. But what is love? And what does God have to say about love? And what does it mean to live a restored life, living in the love of God? Well, this is the move that Paul makes. He makes a move in Romans 12, in verses 9 to 21. And we are going to look at that today, about what it means to live in a restored love. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your phones, let's turn to Romans 12. And I'm going to read the text to us from uh, verse 9 to 21, this is what Paul says. He says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling on to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. 
Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals onto his head. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is Paul's uh, move into what it looks like to live a life of restored love. He begins by talking about in verse 9 that love must be sincere. Uh, another uh, word for sincere here could be easily translated to mean genuine. Love needs to be genuine. And Paul's using some imagery here. Uh, in the first century, in play acting and, and, and different theatre, uh, a lot of the actors would wear masks. They'd wear a mask to be a different character. They'd take off that mask, they'd put on another mask to be another character. And, uh, and Paul's actually speaking about that in the reverse. He says, I don't want you to put on a mask. I don't want you to be one person in one setting, another person in another setting. He, in many ways, he's saying, I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I don't want you to be fake. Instead... What he's saying is love must be sincere. Love must be genuine. Love must be authentic. And in many ways, this is the foundation for what it means to live in a restored living. Living with this restored life means that we have a foundation piece of sincere love, of genuine love. And this is what we learn from Jesus. And this is what we learn from Jesus and his ethic of love. Jesus calls his followers to love God and to love others. When he was quizzed about what the greatest commandment was in Mark 12, he says this, he says, Jesus replied, the most important one, the most important commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself and there is no commandment greater than these so what Jesus is saying his ethic of love is to love God with all that you've got and then to love others to be a people who love God and to love others after washing his disciples feet and sharing in the last supper Jesus said this to his followers in John 13 he says a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you you must love one another and by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another you see Jesus was a man who loved and he calls his followers to love not in a fake sort of you know tick the box you know, sort of thing, but a genuine, sincere love. Now that is a, a love of a heart transformed. 
and living into our community with a genuine and a sincere love. And this is a love that Paul experienced. You see, Paul accepted the love of God. His life was transformed on the Damascus Road. You can read about that more in Acts 9. And he experienced the love of God. His life was transformed by the love of God. And he's living into this love and calling the Roman church to do the same. And Tom Wright, reflecting on the early church, he says this. He says, love is more about what people do than how they feel in the first century. Love is more about what people do than how they feel. You see, in the first century, love was more than a feeling. It was an action. It was more than just feeling something about someone. It was how you lived your life and your actions. Now, Douglas Moo goes on to, uh, with his thought, and he says this. He says, biblical love is not an emotion. It's an attitude and a mindset. It's more than an emotion, it's an attitude and a mindset. And this is in quite contrast to our modern day take on love, isn't it? Just think about some of the lyrics that we just looked at before. Maybe some of the the temporary and the fleeting feeling that we have in our contemporary society about love. And then contrast that to the first century, contrast that to the book of Romans, contrast that to what Paul and these theologians are saying that actually, no, love and God's love is a genuine and sincere love. It affects all parts of who we are and it actually spurs us into the living a life that is for the betterment of others. See, love isn't a self-seeking and you know, to be consumed or, or for some sort of hedonistic pleasure for ourselves. Actually, no, it's a servant love. It's a love that has a foundation of being genuine and sincere, and we live from that place. And the early church lived this way because they knew in their lives, they experienced the fact that God had dealt with their sin, had given them a new life, and set them free because of his love for all humankind. See, earlier in Romans 5, uh, Paul says these words. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. In verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. So powerful that we can see God's love demonstrated in Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And it's because of God's love and Christ's work on the cross that we can love others. We live in an overflow of that love. The the foundation stone for living a restored life is actually living in God's restored love. Uh, Maybe to put it another way, the the first uh, series that we've been in, Restored Belief, Romans 1 uh, to to Romans uh, 11, uh, through having this restored belief, we can live in a restored love. And Paul makes this this move. He he gives us this foundation for and this um, framework for living, this uh, theological kind of piece. And then he says, now go and live in this way. And you can do it because of the love of God, which is in you. So let me ask you today, honestly, before God, let me ask you, would you describe your love for others as sincere and genuine 
Would they be two words that mark your love for others? Or maybe it's confronting to think about this. Is your love more conditional? Is it a conditional love? Is it a love where it's around what you can get rather than what you can give? Or you love it when you're feeling good. When you're feeling good, you're up and about and keen to love. But when you're not feeling it, you're not living it. Important for us to reflect on this today. So how do we respond to this love? And how do we live with a sincere and a genuine love in our lives as a church community, but then also into the wider world in which we live? And Paul's got a key idea here from verses 9 to 21. It revolves around living with a humble and a peaceful attitude towards others. And I love how Paul kind of weaves his thoughts uh, together because last week Ash spoke to us about living with humility and he kind of pulls in humility, brings it together into this next part of uh, the passage that we're in today. And he's, he's saying the, this big idea that we live with humility and we live with peace. And as we live with humility and we live with peace, we actually live out God's sincere love to him and to those around us. And as I was digging around this passage and reading uh, some commentaries in and around it, uh, what I found interesting was the theologians were saying that Paul's actually writing to two uh, groups of people. In verses 9 to verses 13, he's speaking to those inside the church. He's talking to, uh, to us who are here today. And those online and those in the room, he's chatting to us. He's, he's kind of like kind of pressing in a bit on us. And then he makes a move in, in verses 14 to 21 where he starts to then talk about how we then live with God's love into the wider community. So firstly, he kind of says, how do we conduct ourselves internally? And then he says, well, how do we conduct ourselves externally? What does it look like for us to live in God's love with his people here? And what does it look like to live in God's love into the things and the places and the spaces where we go into our week? It's really quite interesting. So we're going to look at it a bit like that uh, today. So in verses 9 to 13, he's chatting to us. In some ways, he's like Paul's having a family chat. He just wrote it, you know, kind of like, you know, 2,000 years earlier. But he's saying, hey, we've got this for you. And this is what we need to attend to and think about uh, for us today. So let's look at what he has to say for how we live love inside uh, the church family. He says this in verse 9 to 13. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling, cling on to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. See, Paul's emphasis here in living out a sincere love through humble and peaceful living, it includes verse 10, be devoted to one another. Again in verse 10, honour others above yourself. In verse 11, serve the Lord. And in verses 12 to 13, he says, be connected with God's people and share with those in need. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a wonderful description of what it looks like to be in Christian community, to be people who are devoted, people who honour, people who serve, who, who are connected, that share with others, that practise hospitality. And this is why I think that the early church grew 
This is why I think so many people were attracted to the early church because of its value on the other person, how it lived and cared for one another, how it was, how it was active in living out God's love. And as I was preparing for this week, I started to think about where do we see that love here at Clovey? And I just, I just continued to think of place after place of where the love of God is expressed and lived out in the community here at Clovey. You would know that if you're part of our church, the importance of life groups. You'd know the importance of being in a larger church that if Sunday's your only touch point to church, it just will not be enough to be in a smaller connected group, a place where you know others, a place where you are known, a place where you can be honest, a place where you can share about life, a place where you can open the word and encourage one another, a place where you can give uh, people the, the, the real kind of things that are happening in your life and pray for one another. So very important. And as I've you know, been considering this and thinking about this, it's a real privilege in a way of the seat that I, that I get to sit in here at Clovey and, and the stories that people share with me and uh, around how in life groups uh, and being part of a life group and connected into a life group, there's such a strong community in their life. And it's been really encouraging to hear lately People who have been sick maybe in the last few months with COVID or even with influenza and different sicknesses that have gone through. I've heard of you know, groups that are just rally around and share in, in, in making meals for one another. And I've heard of uh, groups that have been supporting uh, one another with people who are in their group uh, or, or couples that are in their group that are doing it really tough. And we go through times in our life where we do a really tough, but yet to hear of a life group coming around a couple or around a person and loving on them and caring for them is so great. There's one life group even recently that have been able to raise some money to help one of the couples in their group who are going through a really hard time. And they said, you know what? We know your life's really tough at the moment, but we've got this bit. We've got this bit sorted out. And to hear that and to have that Love that is genuine, that love that is sincere, that love uh, where it is uh, connected and devoted and service-orientated is so, so important. We've also got Clovey Eats here. And uh, Clovey Eats is an initiative that Pastor Anne has started up in the last little while. And this year, uh, we've had a number of people who have made um, brilliant meals. And if that's you, I want to say thank you so much. And then uh, on top of that, we've had incredible need uh, in, our, in our church community and beyond. And we've been able to give out close to 100 meals this year to people who are in need. And just to be able to, ha be able to have a posture to say yes, when someone's in need, just go to the freezer, grab it, go, do what you need to do. And we know that that's a way that we can share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And then to see on Sundays with, um, with people who are coming into our church and, and I see people lift their eyes and say, oh, this is someone new and they go say hello. Or, or to hear of people inviting others into their life or into their home for a meal to welcome them is just so encouraging. So this community of the early church that are devoted, that are honouring, that serve, that are connected, that are sharing, I see that here at Clovey as well. Now, of course, we have a way to go. We always do. None of us have arrived. But it's encouraging because I see it here and I hope that you see it as well. And when specifically speaking to those inside the church community, Paul essentially is calling them to more. And he's calling them to intentionally and proactively step 
into each other's lives. This is the image that I want you to consider here. What Paul is saying here to the people in the church community, he's saying, step in. He's saying, step in. It's so important that we are a people who step in. And I think now more than ever, we need to be stepping in. I know that we've had a, a, the last six months have been a bit bumpy with COVID, particularly here in Adelaide with people getting sick and things like that. And I know for some, it's been tricky uh, in terms of getting back into rhythms. But what God is saying to us now, he's saying, step in. Step in. Maybe some have fallen out of the habit uh, of being at church each week or, or maybe uh, it's sort of dropped off a little bit, but he's saying, step in. And as I was praying about this, I really found like God was saying, Mike, remind people how important their presence is to others. Because sometimes we think about church and maybe we you know, just get caught up in the, in the con, kind of consumerist you know, culture that we live in and we think, oh, what do we kind of get from that? And maybe we don't say that out loud, but maybe we just think about it because that's sort of how we're trained in our society. But there's something beautifully unique about being in church and your presence being with God's people and that connectedness of being together. And your presence being with God's people in God's family is actually building and strengthening that community. And I think that's something that we all need to hear today. So let me ask you, how can you step into deeper community here at Clovey? How can you step in? Where's the challenge point? Where do you find the challenge point in that? But God's saying today, hey, you're part of God's family here at Clovey, step in. Or is it sometimes that you feel like you kind of, you kind of hold the community at arm's length. Maybe you love it when you feel like it, but when you're not feeling it, it's harder to do that. And maybe let me ask you, what's one thing you can do this week? What's one thing you can do where you step in to God's people more? And you understand that that's important for you, but actually your presence is very important into the life of others as well. So Paul, he calls people in the church to step in, but then he changes gears and when he starts to talk about what is a genuine love, what does that look like, what does that mean for those that we engage with in the wider community, he starts to talk about that from verses 14 to 21. He says this, he says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals onto his head. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So Paul's emphasis here in living out a sincere love with humility and peace, it includes verses 14 and 15, blessing others, rejoicing with others, mourning with others. In verse 16, living in harmony with each other. And in verses 17 to 20, living in peace with everyone, everyone. It's absolute, isn't it? And do not pursue revenge. And in verse 21, he says, overcome evil with good. And what Paul is encouraging the church in Rome 
in terms of their behaviour with those in the wider community. He's saying, how do you live out God's love? Well, you show grace. That's what he says. You show grace. And he says, when you're finished showing grace, what do we do next? He says, you show more grace. And when you're done showing more grace, what do we do? Show even more grace. And when you've come to the end of all the grace that you can give someone, what do you do? Well, you keep showing grace. It's how we conduct ourselves with people outside of the church. His big idea here is he says, do not pursue revenge when people do you wrong. He says that we need to find new ways of dealing with people who hurt us. And these ways involve blessing, harmony and peace. And we can extend this grace because we live in the overflow of the salvation that we've found in Jesus. So I just want to invite you now just to um, close your eyes just for a moment. Because this is very real, isn't it? This is very practical. This is very challenging. I just want you to consider a situation or a person where maybe in the last week or month or year that you've been wronged by another person. I know this could be confronting. But just think about someone or a situation where you've been wronged by another. Let me ask you today, what would it look like to bless this person or these people? How could you live in harmony together? As much as it is up to you, how can you live in peace with this person or with these people? Now, I know it's not as simple as this, friends, is it? The situations that spiral out of our control, there's things that we are not in control of, there's things that people have done that are just not okay. But how can we pursue the words from Paul in verse 21, where we are committed to being a people that are not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I encourage you to pick up whatever God spoke to you in that moment just now and speak to a trusted friend about it before this day's out so that you can work out what God is saying to you moving ahead. When you open your eyes, it's interesting, isn't it, how Paul speaks about sincere love, genuine love, and he says, for those inside the church, step in. This is how we conduct ourselves. We step in. And for those outside the church, we show grace. And we keep on showing grace. And he says to those as we are inside the walls of the church, he says, step in, build community, be connected, serve God, show some grit. And then looking to people outside in the church, those who don't know Jesus yet, those in our wider community, he has a different tone, doesn't he? He has a different way of approaching it. He says, be prepared to, uh, to bless others, to, to live in peace. Don't show revenge. You know, in some ways, he's sort of saying, be prepared to lose so that you can win. And you win by pointing people to Jesus. 
And, and it might not make sense or it might be really hard to rationalize it, but this is essentially what he's saying. When we are a people who show grace to others, we're actually saying we're prepared to lose over here so we can win to point people to this man, Jesus Christ. So what Paul is showing us here, there's a different posture, a different response that's required for those who are in the kingdom and those who know Jesus and those who are not in the kingdom and don't know Jesus yet and how we approach and live in a way that we demonstrate sincere love that expresses humility and peace. And this is also a really key ingredient in living out what Paul says earlier in chapter 12 where he says that we can live out God's good, pleasing and perfect will. And I don't know about you, but I think this is probably a conversation that we have that's as important now as, as maybe ever. I don't know if Paul understood how relevant and how pertinent his words would have been all these years later, looking at what he's saying. Last year, there was a book uh, by uh, an author, Stephen McAlpine, won the Australian uh, Christian Book of the Year. It's called Being the Bad Guys. It got my attention. I'm like, how did a book called Being the Bad Guys win the Australian Christian Book of the Year? So anyway, I got myself a copy and I started to read it and it's fascinating. And he talks uh, about, he go, about the, the big idea really is about how did the church become the bad guys? Only 50, 70 years ago, we were the good guys. Like we had the moral high ground and, uh, you know, we had something to add and value uh, in the conversation to society, the betterment of society. And he said, how do we go from being the good guys to the bad guys? Because now, uh, now people are probably quite sceptical of followers of Jesus. The Centre of Public Christianity, we've talked about this before, has done some work and McAlpine picks this up, saying that Christians in society have been viewed in the past little while of being probably irrelevant, that's okay for you, but it's nothing to do with me, to now people in society seeing Christians as dangerous. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been a shift. There's been a shift. And he picks up this in the book and he says, what's that about? This increased individualism, this increased secularism, the rise of relative truth. And now you have people who have no faith at all that are walking around taking the moral high ground. It's all flipped. It's crazy. And if you haven't thought about this, please, please think about it. And if you haven't, uh, you know, felt the rub of this in your family or in your workplace, then you've got to have more conversations about faith because it's real and it's happening now. And it's probably going to get harder before it gets better. But I actually have a lot of hope in that because if you look over history, Christianity has done its best work from the margins. It's done its best work from the margins. And he outlines the problem here. But then he starts to talk about what are some solutions. He's got a chapter on, uh, you know, some ideas for the church. And he's got a chapter on some ideas for uh, the marketplace. It's a really good read, really easy read. I encourage you to get it. And he says, for those in the church, he says, the thing that I, number one thing I encourage you to do is to preference God's people. That's what he says, preference God's people. He says, as it gets harder to live your faith, you actually need this more than ever. We need each other more than ever to be honest and to be real, to share about what's really going on because life is complicated and our society doesn't have a Judeo-Christian worldview that it once did. 
So things are changing and there's some shifts and we need to smarten up basically and be honest and open with one another in a way that we preference each other. He says, preference God's people and do life together. He said, that is so important when it comes to living as the best bad guys we can. And isn't it fascinating? This is what Paul talks about here in Romans 12. And the encouragement for us is if we're gonna be a people who express God's restored love, we do it by stepping into community here at Clovey. And we do it by showing grace to those who don't yet know Jesus. And through that, we live out God's sincere love and we live with humility and we live with peace. And that is Paul's encouragement to us today. I wanna give you a moment to ask the Lord, what is He saying to you today? And I wanna just invite you to pull out your, your phones and I'm gonna ask you today to write a prayer in response. What is it that God is stirring in your heart today? Uh, what does it look like in your life to live out a sincere and genuine love marked by humility and peace? One where you step in to the community here and you show grace to those in our wider world. 